Lord, we trust your word. Help us to obey. We just sang that. And it's familiar to us. We turn to the word again and again in our worship. As a church, we are founded on the truth of Scripture. We believe that it is God-inspired and gifted to us for training in righteousness and also for the realization of our, our need for Scripture, our need for forgiveness, our need for the power of God to come to us in, in mercy. We also understand from Scripture that God has, has a kingdom in mind, a realm, um, a, a way of life that, uh, that got off track. Uh, and maybe the operative story is, is from Genesis of the, so the disobedience of the, of the archetypes of man and woman, humanity, uh, Adam and Eve, uh, the temptation in the garden, the, the serpent that came to them and, uh, and gave them those false promises that we just sang about. And they thought that sounded pretty good, and uh, and they would be wise, and they would be able to uh, eat of eat of that fruit of that forbidden tree uh, because it was fair, and it uh, looked like it would be very nourishing, and it would make them more powerful, more like God. They were overstepping, overstepping their their limits, their boundaries. Uh, they were saying they were saying yes. Uh, to the tempter, the image of the, the serpents in that story. If they would have said no, um, you would think that maybe, well, well, I guess then all the rest of humanity would be okay that uh, it came through Adam and Eve. So uh, everyone else, they, they, would, they would say no. They would recognize the, the temptation, the test, all the trouble that would open up, probably not. The story, it's an etiological story, is, it says this is how it, it happened in the beginning, and this is how it keeps happening for the first time in each of our lives. That, um, that we are prone to saying yes when we should say no, and we are prone to saying no when we should say yes. Maybe especially when it comes to uh, higher authorities, maybe when it, especially when it comes to the potentials that we have, maybe it, especially when it comes to being, being like the, the merciful, powerful uh, creator that we have a sense is in all and through all and beyond all. There are in our lives necessary no's. Maybe one of the gifts of the scripture or the gospel that come to us is that, uh, that Jesus passed the test. He was in the wilderness, like John the baptizer, his cousin, spent much time in the wilderness as a place of cleansing his soul from all the, all the distractions of the, of the culture at that time. He was in the wilderness to pray and to uh, offer to God the, uh, the self-immolation of his uh, of his hunger and his suffering, of his uh, irritation by the camel's hair coat and, uh, and all the extremes of temperature in the wilderness, uh, eating locusts and, and honey, living, living with creatures that, uh, that maybe were aware of, of God in a way that uh, the culture shields us from. 
And he also was in the wilderness the way that the Israelites were in the wilderness on their way to the promised land, escaping from the oppression of, of the Pharaoh and, uh, and following their leader Moses. Uh, but the Israelites were tested and they failed. They made a golden calf when, when Moses was, was up in the mountain receiving the law teachings of the Lord in impatience and in desperation and in saying yes to the possibility, well, let's, let's make an idol. Uh, there are other peoples that have idols. There were idols in Egypt. They seem to work for them. Let's make an idol out of all our jewelry, our gold, and, and we'll worship an idol, uh, a cow, a young heifer. Well, we'll worship it uh, like we did. Uh, and they did not say no to that test, but uh, that might be a good idea. Well, yeah. they failed the test. And now Jesus, in, uh, in his story, is presented with, with more of a test than a temptation and all the connotations that it has for us. He knows God. He's been walking with God. He feels, he feels um, that this has been his ministry. He's not only heard at his baptism, but now again at the transfiguration this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. him, him. This is the one. And it became for him a, a calling. It came, became for him, I need to be prepared for this. And so uh, it was reinforced by the Spirit, capital S, pushed him out into the wilderness. It was God's own self that sent him to the wilderness. And there, for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and he was famished. Really, really hungry. First temptation is the opportunity to turn that stone into bread. Maybe he was so famished that he was hallucinating and thought, oh, that would be a really nice little roll that would eat and that would, that would be... So, uh, so succulent, and I have the, the power, God is with me, to turn that stone into, into bread. The thing about, about temptations is that they, yeah, they usually are, are not ugly and reprehensible. We usually don't instinctively turn away from them, but they are attractive. They kind of make sense to us, and, and, and there's a lot of good in those. What's, what's wrong with bread, after all? Some of you are thinking that right now. That would be pretty nice. Yeah, we had donuts in the confirmation class today. Caitlin brought a box of donuts, and uh, um, I went into the kitchen to get some napkins uh, uh, so we could enjoy the, the donuts and wipe the frosting. They were frosty. They were wonderful donuts. And from our fingers, uh, Dave Hill was in there, and he said, hey, we got donuts in confirmation class. And Dave said, well, I really like do's better than do-nots. <laughs> I said, so do I, so do I. And then I said, that'll preach. And it did. We do like do's rather than do-nots. And the temptations then, and Jesus Indeed, Jesus' time in the wilderness, as well as our own lives, are you listening, usually come in a very nice package and have much good in them. And kind of with the tag, why not? Why not this? I think this would do some good. 
I not only could make some bread for myself and, uh, and, and be spared from, from this suffering, surely God doesn't want me to suffer like this, be so hungry, uh, but I also could uh, um, provide bread for, for the hungry. I could provide, could provide bread for, uh, uh, for people who, who, who needed generosity in their lives. I could model, I could model feeding of our neighbors and, and others, it would be a wonderful way to fulfill, fulfill the providence of God, the providing nature of God. But yet the word that dwelled so richly in Jesus came to him and quoted from Deuteronomy, you know. No, that, that is not something that I should do. more than flesh and bone. God is... We are more, our spirit, more than flesh and bone. We, we are spirit. And that's what his time in the wilderness of fasting was to help him realize, as many others before and after have done that, I am more than flesh and bone. I am spirit. And my spirit needs to be filled with uh, the spirit of God. God is more than that. There's a tendency in that kind of miracle and that invitation to say, well, that'll be it, that'll be enough. And that's what God wants me to do. Jesus says, no, no, it was a necessary no. Then the second one to a uh, high place, if you jump off, if you jump off, angels will come and, and will, um, will let you down slowly. They'll, they won't let you fall. They won't let you be crushed. Um, do you doubt that, Jesus? Uh, no, I don't doubt that. Gee, that God would do that. But then again, another, no, I'm not going to do that. Even though that, that seems to have any good thing there, that they could demonstrate that I um, am impervious to being harmed. They could demonstrate that I'm kind of a, a superman. And I could do much good with that. Maybe he didn't know about Clark Kent and Superman that was years ahead, years before, but we still long for that. We still set up those kinds of heroes that have supernatural powers that are impervious to some of the things that, uh, that, that harm and destroy us. But wouldn't God want me to be that representation of, of God's power, of God's might and... Uh, and the answer is no, no. No, because there is, through something else, through vulnerability, through, through my own suffering, that I think God is calling me to experience in fullness um, what it means to be human. That there is an identification that is waiting for me as, as I weep, as I hunger, as I thirst, as I display the full range of, of human emotions, yet without sinning, I think that is part of the calling. Temptations test number one and two are about the, uh, about the, the qualities of God, the power of God, and, uh, and Jesus is not doubting those at all. He affirms those, he knows those, but he is, he is uh, saying no to how he will display that in the world as the God's chosen Messiah. The third one is about him himself. About him himself. Come up to this high place and, and scan the nations of the world. 
Um, look at all of them. Imagine what you've learned in your own travels, Jesus, that we don't know much about, but, but uh, imagine I could make you, I could make you the emperor, the ruler of all these nations of the world if you just bow down and worship me. It really is a test to Jesus himself. Where is your loyalty? Where is your willingness here? Maybe within himself. Think of all the good I could do with that. Think of all the, uh, think of all the persecution that I could avoid of, of people through what's coming up in the Roman empires and uh, Caligula and Nero. Good people that, uh, that are going to be, be killed and, uh, and, and persecuted. Uh, think about the, the cruelty that I could stop right now and uh, the kingdoms of the world would, would be modeled after, uh, after God's greater purposes. Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. I could be that kind of Messiah. He says no. Now, because the word, the scripture that dwelled in him so richly said, you shall worship the Lord God alone, and him only will you serve. That is at the core, that is a priority here at the test. Who will you worship? For whom are you willing to, to give your heart, your soul, your actions, your capacity to serve to me? Satan, the adversary, proposes. And Jesus says no. One, two, three, necessary no's. Necessary no's in the, in the life and the ministry, the choices of Jesus at that point of his life, at the brink of his ministry. It's illuminated for us. And it basically is what this is about. We need to keep that at the center, that, that Jesus was tested and he passed the test. And it clarified for him and for us who he was and the route of his choices as it unfolded. But it also reaches into our lives. And it helps us realize that, hey, wait a minute, we are, we are tested all the time. Now we are tested by many good things. And many of them encroach on the uh, and the loyalty that we, that we need to give to God and only God. And many of them um, would have us stop short of, of the fullness of life that God wants to give us. Uh, I'll, I'll take a, a lifetime supply of bread, God. That would be fine. And uh, I will be eternally grateful all my whole life. God perhaps says, actually, I had more in mind for you than just having bread every day. I, I had in mind that you, would, uh, that you would be able to sing. I had in mind that you would be able to, uh, to, to grow in kindness and compassion. I had in mind that, that you, would, uh, you would devote yourselves to causes and, and, and efforts that were far beyond your imagination that I was going to give you, but you weren't listening. You were busy making toast and bagel and butter and all that bread that showed up at your door every day. There was more for you. Or the cop out there, well, I'm only human. Uh, you know, I, I get hurt easily. And so what I will attempt will, 
will will be limited because I'm not Superman. I'm not Superwoman. I have needs and I'm fragile, I'm sensitive. And God, I think I'll do that. And God says, no, actually I had some, some other things for you to do. That's what your faith is for. For you to, on the one hand, recognize your own limitations and then also to to reach for my resources, to my, my vision, my empowering, to realize, no, I can't do this alone. I need you. I need you every hour. Most blessed Lord, I need you. I need you. You will not take this possibility of redemption, forgiveness of, of my service away, and I need you. I need you to fulfill that. Do not, do not, Cast me from your sight. Do not abandon me. I'm, I'm sorry that I'm sorry that I, I have not known that. I'm sorry for the time I've wasted. But, but Lord God, help me to do what you and I can do together, realizing it's mostly you. And that test of, of loyalty, that test of willingness. Edwin Friedman uh, wrote about family, family counseling and self-actualization. Maybe you've read some of his things and, and all the derivatives of people that wrote about it ever since he was a pioneer in that area. His final book before he, he passed on was A Failure of Nerve. A Failure of Nerve. And it's sort of the thesis was that... Uh, that we all have such potential within us, self-actualization. And, uh, and it happens through choices that we make. Choices of, yes, I will do that, but, but often more so choices of, no, no. Because we, as we live our lives, we find that we do many things, and many things are available to us, and especially in a big and prosperous society, we have so many different things we could do every day. The day, the hours. There's not enough hours. There's not enough time. And and I'm getting older. How can I do everything that I could do? And and at some point, growth maturity invites us to say, "You are not meant to do everything that comes to you." And you learn to need to learn to say no. So that the key opportunities that come to you you are able to say, yes. Yes, that is what I am called to do. That is what I am willing to do. Friedman said that the, the, most, uh, the most powerful thing is not, is not the potential and the capacity to have the ability to do something, but the willingness, the willingness to do that. And so... Now, when people uh, are, are hired for, for their company or for their team or something, uh, they look less at what are your abilities, what is your intelligence, and they look more at what is your willingness, your willingness to learn, your willingness to uh, shape your loyalty in a way for the team, for the challenges ahead, for what we can accomplish, for what this company, this church, this life, this time asks of us, 
Are you willing? Are you willing? I know that you can be able and trained and shaped, but are you, are you willing? Are you willing to step up? Are you willing to give yourself to the challenges and to opportunities that maybe you know nothing about right now? But because of your faith and because of your capacity to say no to other things, are you willing to say yes to this? Are you with me? The board we installed right here. The people that are, are going to be part of a, a group of servant leaders are mostly invisible. But they make decisions. They follow through mostly on the wishes of the annual meeting. And they respond to what's happening in the church and around it. And they were chosen. They were elected mostly because of their Willingness. The process of the nominating committee going to these people uh, interested in would you be willing to consider this? Would you be willing to consent to giving your time, your energy, to reaching God in faith in this particular area, but more so to be part of a part of a team, part of a body that serves the Lord Jesus Christ and his church? And the nominating committee and, and the congregation gauge their willingness, really. And today you heard them say, I promise, I promise. What do they promise? I promise that I will be willing, that I will show up, that I will depend not only on myself, but on God's power, and God's leading, God's light, God's forgiveness along with God in this time and place. And I will serve in ways that are more than bread. I will serve in ways that are, are not uh, superhuman, but I will serve in the full sensitivity and the full, in the full vulnerability of who I am as, as a human, but also someone who needs, needs the Lord every hour. And I will serve not to rule and not to and not to dictate, but I will serve in order to follow. To follow the Spirit of Christ that has led me to this very time of saying, should I say yes or should I say no? I know the stories behind the people and how each of them have gone through some sort of a personal process to say, yes. Yes, I think that I will do that. I think I should do that. Very few of these people it's been true throughout the years here. They said, oh, yeah, yeah, I was hoping, I was hoping you'd ask me. Oh, yes, yes. No. Kind of a wilderness. Me? Let me get back to you on that. Uh, and some of these have said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And then, and then days, weeks later, you know, I should do that. I don't have to ask that person, who have you been talking to? Someone pay you? Someone, uh, someone make you say that? Guilty? No, I, I just think I should do that. I think the Lord is inviting me, nudging me, testing me to say yes. The wilderness story is, is one we maybe know pretty well, and it is, it is a mirror for us. And also an example for us. 
and also by the power of the Spirit, inspiration for us. May the Lord add his blessing the way that it has opened up for us today.